Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Advert Your Eyes Digital, a marketing agency that lives and breathes Australian agriculture. Give them a call today or reach them at advertyoureyes.com. Now let's get on with the show. G'day and welcome to the Farms Advice podcast for this week where we talk everything agribusiness. Last week was a bit of a busy week for us on farm, and unfortunately, I was unable to get an episode down on the books. Nevertheless, though, on this week's episode, we have a cracker where we catch up with Neil Seaman. He comes from Crookwell down there in New South Wales, but you also may know of him from last year's edition of Farmer Wants a Wife. He's an advocate for Australian wool and the education of consumers of how a loin chop gets from paddock to plate. Find it all within the episode. But if you could please share this podcast on your social media, to friends, to family, send it in a letter. I don't mind how you do it, but it would be amazing to reach the 319,000 workers that are working within Australian agriculture. 2021 is the year for Australian agribusinesses. So let's get into it. G'day, Neil. Thanks for coming on the podcast, mate. How's everything down Thanks, your way? Mate. Yeah, mate. Uh, we're just coming off uh, a weekend of three inches of rain. So, you know, when it when it rains, it's always good around here. Yeah, you beauty. So was it widespread or just just over you? Um, every, everyone got some, but it's ranging from... from an inch up to up to three inches you know there was there was three or four massive storms that you just had to be under yeah um and 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 we we got a couple of them so yeah it was good yeah and as you said just prior to the podcast like if you order, wanted to order a season in it would be the season you've just had so pretty unreal season for you down there yeah i mean the last i'd say 
since probably February last year. So the last sort of definitely 13 coming up to 14 months. Um, we've got uh, autumns, we've got springs, uh, we've had hot summers, but not, not devilishly hot. Um, and we've had rain all the way through, consistent rainfall every couple of weeks. So, um, you know, that's, that's what you'd put on your order if you were ordering it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's good to see that you've got a bit of green pick, more than a pick down there, I hope. Um, but where people may know you from is Farmer Wants a Wife. You weren't the first one to crack onto the Funds Vice podcast with Alex. Coming onto the podcast previously. Yep. How is the big guy? He's going well at Cunnamulla. I think they've got a bit of rain as well. Not much as Crook, not as much as Crookwell, but they're going all right as well. But, yeah, they they need every they need every drop they can get out there. So I'll, I'll certainly won't deny him any rain. Yeah, absolutely. I think they'd like a good dose of a flood just to get it going, get the water back in the ground for sure. Yeah. So mate, before we get into agribusiness, tell us a bit about your story. Your how do you how were you brought up into agriculture yeah. and where it led you today? Um, I suppose agriculture for me was, was spent a lot of my life was, it was in the background. Um, I went to school at St. Pat's in Goulburn, uh, boarded, boarded at St. Pat's in Goulburn and, and pretty much all I cared about was, was rugby and basketball. Um, didn't do too much you know, didn't set the world on fire academically, didn't do anything wrong, uh, but just didn't really care. I think the funniest, the best way to describe it is um, I had to choose between elective, uh, when I was choosing my electives, agriculture was on one line, it was on the same line as music. And I really liked the music teacher. Um, so I didn't choose agriculture, I chose music. Um, and I guess that's sort of where it sat for me. Um, I, but I guess from then on, I kind of always knew that the farm was was the, going to be the place for me. Um, yep. I just didn't know the timing or or, or anything. But but it's it, it was influenced so much by the markets and 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 Mother Nature. Um, so at the right time, um, which was twenty years later, would you believe? Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I moved back home and yeah, I've been flat out on the place now for four or five years and couldn't imagine myself doing anything different. Yeah, right. So you're running the joint currently. Is there anyone else uh, about? Yeah, dad and I, are, dad and I are sort of, uh, we argue about who's the boss. But, well, we don't really argue. We, we kind of know the dog's the boss and, and, and then it's probably mum and then, then dad, then me. So I, I, I know my place in the pecking order. Yeah, I know that relationship um, a little bit too well as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of difficult. I, I know for that generationally for the guys to give up the reins, um, but we we work we, we we work pretty well together. Um, I'm I'm all about adopting new newer technology and and um, things that are more efficient, whereas those guys are more about um, tradition and doing things the way it's always done because it's always worked the tried and yep. true way. Um, so it's kind of, we, we, we balance each other well. Um, and at the end of the day, we just end up talking footy and cricket anyway. So yeah, it goes well. Yeah, it's a good lifestyle and you get to do what you love. When you look at your efficiencies, like you don't actually need to adopt ag tech. You can just, you can uptake or do 
something a different way, like different technique to what our parents have done previously? Have you seen like what you brought to the table start to improve like your processes and whatnot? Yeah, it's, I mean, I was, I was thinking of a few examples of, of things we've done. And the other thing you've got to throw into the mix is um, the safety factor. Um, there are things out there, the, the way, the way it was done, particularly around shearing and, and, and wool sheds um, over previous generations just doesn't cut it these days. I mean, here we are, one of the major problems with the wool industry at the moment is a lack of shearers. Um, and we're asking them to come and work in shearing sheds that don't have running water, don't have toilets. Um, sometimes power is off a generator um, and we've got female rouseabouts, you know, it's, it's, that's just out of date. So, so one of the things that I'm working on and I, on our place is making sure it's up to scratch. Of course, you know, we, we have those sort of things. We have refrigeration, we have telephones, we have cooking facilities, um, running toilets and, and those sort of things are a bit of a given. Uh, but then it's also things like making sure that your, your uh, overhead gear and shearing is up to date. You know, the most shearers these days or uh, the, the, the better end of the shearers are carrying around their own Evo sort of overhead gear. Um, so if you haven't got that, you know, it's, it's, it's maybe something that you can look at getting. We've certainly updated all them. Um, but the other things are, the other things that I'm trying to improve on is um, I think generationally the, the older farmers just didn't value their time enough. Like basically from when they woke up to when they went to sleep, they were, they were working. So, so they never put enough emphasis on, on efficiency. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to work on. You know, we've got a, we've got a gate that we go through between two vehicles, uh, not counting visitors or whatever, it would be open and closed 10 times a day. So I've sort of, you know, spent the last two or three years talking to dad and, and saying, hey, listen, we need to replace that with a cattle grid. We don't put stock through it. Uh, it, it needs to be something that we're not spending two minutes a day or two minutes of time opening and closing every time, particularly when you're, you're in a vehicle by yourself. And I did the sums on it and I said, I think, I think it costs, by the time we, it's in there, by the way, yeah. it, it'll probably be about three grand by the time you get it in with, with, uh, with labour and everything. Um, we will make that back in time just from purely not opening and closing a gate in less than three years and it's there forever. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. So like some some people don't sort of think about that. Like a grid can really help out on farm, save you that bit of time, twenty minutes a day. Yeah, with ten vehicles. Yeah, I th yeah, I, th I just think that that the older generation they just didn't place enough value on their own time. I mean, who who knows what they they would be on an hourly rate if if they were being if they were paying themselves. So um, you know, and, and I talked to dad about things like that, and he sort of rolls his eyes and says, yeah, right, I will just do that, you know. But um, once it's in, he says, yeah, that there's, there's, a, there's a real game there. Yeah, you've just got to get it up and running and working, whatever like it may be, if it's a piece of ag tech, as long as it's proving itself. That's why I was going on to adapt and adopt as a motto for Farms Advice. You just need to yeah. get in there and see it working on your own place before actually implementing yeah. it fully. bit hard with a grid, yeah. but you'll always see the uptake from yeah. the grid. But I mean, it's it's one of those things, you know. We do a um, every every year around 
uh, around Crooker, we have a flock ewe competition where there's anywhere up to, to 20 or 25 farmers who who go to each other's property and, and inspect their, their commercial flocks. Um, one of the best things I love about it is looking at other people's sheep yards. What are they doing that we can be doing? What's, what's a system they've got that we can implement that, that makes things work better, work smoother? Not, it's, you're not always looking for the easy option, but you are looking for um, efficiencies. Yeah. Uh, you you, you want to be smarter with your time. Um, you know, gone are the days when you can rely on a dog to do half your work. It's, you really need to be able to, to um, work smarter. Yeah, what about those jobs when you're just, might just be you like drafting or whatnot? Have you worked out a way? You just got a, your old school draft or you moved yeah, into no, something electric? A, so, you know, we've got a, uh, it's not a, it's not an electric sheep handler, but it's a, it's a sheep handler. Yeah. Um, so uh, at a pinch, I'm, I'm in the middle of training a, a two-year-old Kelpie at the moment. So it's, it's getting there. Uh, but I could I can do that with just me and him. Uh, but it does work a lot better when when Dad's there to sort of keep, keep sheep coming. But I can I can draft I can um, ear tag drench um, everything just comes to me there. And I mean that's something that we've implemented that uh, you know it's not backbreaking work. You haven't got a uh, a leggy drench pack attached to your back. Um, going up and down, bending over, picking up 80 kilo weather's heads all the time. They're, the sheep are coming to you. Yeah. Um, and that's just another efficiency that we're putting in place. Excellent. So looking back on like your, you're getting to the time where you're probably going to take over the place, the full operations and the handling of it, and your parents can take a step back. Have you looked into like the succession of that? It's like a huge challenge for the industry even for myself, looking at it ourselves, I thought it was going to be a simple task, but just putting pen to paper can help out a lot. I've seen from previous yeah. people. Yeah, it is. Um, there are a lot of stories of where the, um, the lack of communication around succession planning has caused massive rifts. Um, and I think at this stage, if we were to sort of uh, bite the bullet tomorrow, we'd be in the same boat. Um, we're not ready. And I, I think having had sort of a few conversations with people about succession planning and how to work, particularly how to do it effectively, particularly within the, a, um, a commercial farming environment, is you really need to get outside support. There are professionals there who know how, to, how these things are, are done. Um, and I think at the right time, that's sort of certainly something that we'll do. I mean, the other thing to keep in mind is that I'm one of uh, three brothers. Yep. So, uh, and like, while I'm the only one who's uh, directly employed on the property, um, it's not like I'm going to basically deny my brothers any sort of, um, you know, financial sort of part of that either. Um, so at the, this is what I mean. Like it's it's a it's a massively complicated issue that I, you know, it's 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 sort of sort of certainly something that you you need outside help with. I think. Yeah, definitely. I think it's one, not like you need to look 
at it short term, not long term. Don't put it on the back burner. But something to definitely think about as you move through the journey of taking more responsibility, you yourself, yeah. but like more so directed to blokes my age, probably not knowing anything like the ins and outs of it all. Um, just getting to know what's going on in the background a bit more. Yeah, it's an easy thing to put off because you just sort of say, oh, look, I'll wait till this happens or I'll wait till this happens or we'll get this out of the way first. Um, but yeah, it is, it, it is something that can't be ignored forever. Yeah, definitely. So moving on to your, your experience on TV, Farmer Wants a Wife, mate. How was that? Um, certainly an amazing experience. Um, if I look at the, the time when we were actually shooting, um, I'd probably say the best five, six weeks of my life. Um, having, you know, you go to an event and there's 30 people there that are having a great time and there's anywhere up to 150 people looking after them. Um, you don't see that in the real world. Um, I was lucky enough to have a cast and crew that were just phenomenal. Um, you know, it's and and the times that, the time that we had together, and and not always when the camera was rolling. There were some. I mean, the cameras we, were quite often on, but it was the stuff that was going on behind the scenes, or you know. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. Um, my producer, who worked a lot with me, Dave Wallace, um, you know, it knows me better than most. Like we went through every emotional roller coaster you could possibly have, and uh, we, we we sort of rode it together. So yeah, I rate him as a as a very close friend. Um, as same with the boys, you know, um, Harry and Alex, uh, Nick, Sam. Um, we still stay in touch, probably not as much as we could. We got to remember we were fairly affected by COVID. Uh, we finished yep. shooting just when the lockdowns come in. So that sort of affected so much. Um, but yeah, phenomenal time. Something I will never, ever forget. I think like just meeting the other blokes from different farming regions, different farming backgrounds, would have been a pretty cool aspect just to meet those blokes that you wouldn't be able to because they're not your neighbours. They're not within your yeah. realm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been down and, and had, a, had a couple of weekends with Harry. Um, he's just sort of uh, just in Gilgowie, just south of Griffith. Yep. Um, you know, full-on cropping country with his own little vineyard thrown in there so different so big so reliant on water whereas you know i look at water as something that you know it rains and it fills the tanks and it fills the dams um it's his lifeblood you know and it's 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 a commodity to him um and yeah we had some we've had some great discussions on that you know sam up in in the um in the tropics up there he, he, the rainfall the humidity the the things that he has to deal with are amazing and the beach. Um, yeah, funny story about that. I actually went swimming. I uh, went for a woke up one morning. We were shooting a scene up there, and I woke up early and went for a run and come back. And 
found this little private beach and I thought, geez, this looks great. I'm, you know, and jumped off and went in for a swim and I'm sort of just laying in the water there and later off sort of went off and had a shower and met up with the girls at a cafe. And they said, and I told them what I'd done. They said, go over and have a look at that sign over there. And the sign at the other end of the beach said, beware of uh, crocodiles and um, stingers. So I thought, yeah, wish I'd read that sign before I jumped in the water. Yeah, it's completely different the terrain and also the pests up there. Crocodiles are a known pest. Other yeah, than yeah, here we are. pigs we have. Yeah, I have um, yeah, pigs, foxes, uh, every snake you can poke a stick at. Uh, they have crocodiles and, and um, yeah. Things. Talking about snakes, there's not many around lately. I haven't seen, I've seen one this summer. A bit cool. I saw a, I was fencing, Dad and I were fencing on Friday and I shifted a, um, a stump out of the way of the fence line. And about a minute later, uh, a real little black snake crawled out of it. Yep. And that's the first one I've seen this summer, same as you, yeah. Uh, whereas in previous years, I've seen last year, even in that same paddock, I saw three in half an hour. Yeah, um, I saw 40 one summer. That was a fair few. Yeah. Yeah, it's... But I think the thing is, there's so much grass around and so much feed. They're still there. We're just not seeing yeah. them. Yeah, definitely. Which is great. I'm okay with that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, 100% with that as well. Yeah. But for your farm operation, tell us a bit more about it. Is it you've got Merinos, uh, self-replacing yeah. flock? Yeah, so we, um, we join... So 1,500 ewes a year, around around round number, and about and about 60 head of cattle, 60 cows. Um, we put we put around 300 cull ewes over a border Leicester, so so you know playing in the prime lamb game there. Yep. Um, and by doing that, that allows us to play across four markets. You know, you, we've got lamb, mutton, beef, and and wool too. Um, so there's, there's never that one reliance on anything. Um, and in seasons like we've had, as I said, over the last 14 months where everything's going great gangbusters, um, it allows us to really, you know, you make hay while the sun shines. Yeah, definitely. I suppose I guess, like the land at the moment are going through the roof, whatever you're selling. Yeah. Use, yeah. Use. Yeah. So we sold, um, Merino, oh, well, first cross, first cross lambs this year, sort of pre-sale, just based on what we thought the market was saying. And it was agreed price between myself and the buyer. Uh, we sold them for 350 bucks a head. And it, as it ended up, that was the cheap end of the, that was the cheap end of the sale. So um, last year, those same lambs were 250 bucks a head. Um, that's, that's that's pretty solid money. You know, I sold uh, ten black wiener wiener steer calves. Yes, last week uh, for seventeen hundred dollars each. You know, they were averaging about two hundred fifty kilos. Like that's it's it's massive money. Yeah, when um, not that long ago you'd get three four hundred for a calf, depending how yeah, old. Yeah, that's right. So you've sort of got to 
uh, and that's what I said, but the next drought, the next tough period, the next um, market decline is, is always just over the hill. So yeah, you've just got to prepare for it. So at the moment, what's like your main revenue stream? You base yourself off wool and move it into- Yeah, definitely. Crossies? Definitely wool. Yep. Yeah, definitely wool. Um, so we shear uh, about rough numbers, 4,000 sheep a year. Um, and yeah, that, that that's by far the main income stream. We do all our ewes uh, towards the end of May and then all weathers and cull ewes get shorn uh, at the end of December. So again, we're splitting that check up. So there's two checks. Yeah. What um, micron are you getting down there? You'd be getting quite fine-ish, wouldn't it? We 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 call ourselves fine. Yeah. Um, we average around the 18 and a half to 19 mark. Um, this year, the season being as good as it is, and I think across the board, particularly around the tablelands, you'll see those numbers blow out a little bit, but that'll be fairly consistent. Yeah, right. So at the moment, what are, what's wool doing for you? Like, when did you shear? Did you shear in summer? Uh, yeah, so we shear the ewes. Ewes get short at the end of May. So yep. basically uh, just before or and they lamb at the start of August. So um, they'll they'll be in sort of short wool when they land. That's a that's a, a husbandry practice. Um, and then the weathers get shorn in summer. The weathers get shorn in the start of December. Yeah, okay. So transitioning over into lamb, creating with the was it Paul Dorset you're going for? Uh, so the cull, the, the cull use, so we'll, we, we cull every year, you know, yep. the, the, the bottom sort of 10 or 15% of the older ones, um, anything that's got a broken mouth or isn't quite cutting it in the wool, uh, we'll, we take them to another place. We put them over border Leicester rams, yeah, um, border Leicester, and, uh, we actually sort of give them two runs. So we'll, I'm actually scanning them this week to see uh, whether they're in lamb or not. Anything that's not in lamb, we'll go back over a uh, pole dorset. I think like even scanning your scanning your ewes, knowing what's, what's dry and what's not can really help out your own like enterprise to give you a clear image. A, yeah, that's, a, that's an example of something that wasn't even thought of a generation ago. So um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it also means that, you know, it gives you that opportunity to improve your fertility because anything that's dry, um, you can sort of, if, if you use dry um, past its sort of maiden year, um, there's a fair chance that it's, it's just barren. It can't, it can't have, a, have a lamb. So there's not really no point for it to be on your place. Yeah, um, so you move them on. So, so they get sold. Um, and that's where, you know, the, it used to be on a, um, on a Merino enterprise, if you got a lambing percentage with an eight in front of it, like around the eighties, um, you had a great year. Yeah. I, this year, this year I've heard people getting 120, 125%. Um, and that's in pure bed Merino. So it's certainly the, the, the par score is, is around a hundred now. Yeah, we can't really afford to hold on to the dregs, their bottom percentage of your flock, can you? When 
you know yep. you'll have those lambs coming through that will be able to perform for you. Yeah. Yeah. And just utilizing yep. when, your feed. That's right. When food is such a commodity, when food is so um well, at the moment it's not scarce as to say, but it's still something that you measure you measure yourself by. Um, if an animal isn't producing uh so many kilos of wool or producing a lamb you have to ask questions what what's it doing on your place yeah definitely and i suppose like we're jumping back and forth between wool and lamb but a conversation i'm trying to get going on the podcast is like for shearing how how do you go for finding shearers are you finding it difficult or you've been it's a it is a it's a really good question and it's one of two massive uh issues that the Australian wool industry has to face at the moment. Um, I don't know that enough's been done been done about it. It's sort of been band-aided in a few different areas. We're lucky around home, around uh, Crookwell, Goulburn, Tarauga, around this area in the um, in the southern tablelands. We have some awesome shearing contractors and some great teams. Um, uh, we we are missing the our, our mates from across the ditch. Yep. Uh, we usually have a team of anywhere up to twenty or thirty Kiwi uh, shearers and rouseabouts who fill those spots. And we'll, most our contractors around here will have a local team going and a team interstate or a team somewhere else um, helping out. At the moment, they've only got a lot of them. Only got one team going, and some guys are anywhere up to a month or six weeks behind schedule. I'll be, I even know of, uh, of guys who had to sell three or 400 weathers in the full wool because they yeah. just couldn't get them shorn and the flies were coming. Um, so lack of shearers or, or the gaps in the shearing industry is, is one of the major things that, that the AWI need to work on at the moment. Do you have like a way that you work around that yourself or a way the industry should be going towards? Yeah, I, I've got a few ideas. Um, we, as I said, we're lucky because we have such such good local uh, contractors and, and we've used the same guys. God, we've, we've got people in our shed whose fathers used to shear there. Um, it's, a, it's a, you know, you, you nearly have to die to lose your stand at, at our place. Um, but we, um, I'd like to see some form of uh, uh, certificate or diploma uh, attached to shearing. I know there is one, but making it a little bit more, um, a little bit more official. Um, also, another problem at the moment is that if you go back ten or fifteen years, most shearers started out as rouseabouts in a shearing shed. You know, you, you left school whenever you left school and you picked up your broom and you went rouseabouting. And yep. that's where you learned to throw a fleece and you learned to your place in the shed and then a shearer would hand you a handpiece on his last sheep and say, you do his leg, mate. And that's, and that's where you get the bug, the shearing bug. And before you know it, you're shearing one or two a run. Before you know it, a contractor puts you on and you, and you have your first crack at it. Um, yeah. That's how shearing used to, that's how you learn to shear. Um, these days, it's not a bad thing, but blokes are 
are wanting to shear because there's such good money attached to it. They're going to shearing schools or they're growing up, you know, doing that sort of stuff. And they're not actually having that um, rouse about apprenticeship. Um, yeah. so, so I think that's a bit of a gap at the moment. Uh, we, need to, we need to make rouse abouting um, popular again or rouse abouting sort of compulsory to learn that side of the shed. Yeah, it's like the footy feeder clubs. They pump in their junior academy and then yeah. they're up into first grade into shearing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, 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 the, um, with earning your apprenticeship. What is great at the moment is that um, I would say at the moment, well over 75% of rouseabouts are females. Yep. Whereas go back a generation, I can only think of one or two females that used to be in a shearing shed. Now, they used to get a call, go out. Uh, if a female, like a, a cocky's wife or a daughter or someone walked in a shearing shed, you'd hear someone yell out, ducks on the pond. And yeah, that, pretty that was old the call. That was the, yeah, that's going back way old yeah. school. That's, you know, okay, there's uh, females around, curb the language and pull your pants up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's one thing that the industry but also farmers and shearers themselves need to tackle individually yeah. and it will come up it will come up as a bit of a movement for the industry and how we can improve that neil yeah it's I been agree. it's been great to have you on the show um and to see a bit of an insight down there at crookwell with your commercial flock down there and see what you're up to what's what's in the Thanks, pipeline Jeff. for neil farmer neil coming up <laughs> Um, it's just Neil these days, Jack, um, or Neil the farmer. Um, oh, mate, I don't know, not much. I'm, I, I just want to keep farming, keep doing things better, keep learning. Yep. Um, I've got some, got some great people that, that I work with and around, and you know, there's some great studs in around the area that I like to sort of pick up things off. Um, you know, I'm also a, a father to three teenagers, so there's 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 that aspect busy house um yeah yeah um but i'll do like at, at the moment i'm doing anything i can do on top of that stuff to, to promote rural australia promote wool um to to show that hey you know someone asked me a question like i hear i heard someone answer a question the other day where do loin chops come from? And they said the answer was coals. And you know that's that's Nuts. not the answer. Yeah. Um, you know, so so I suppose in any way I can, it's about lessening that gap between city and country, and letting the people, letting those city people know that hey, you know, steak when you order a steak at the pub. Um, that that that's off a, a steer or a heifer you know oh what's a steer or a heifer good question let's get into it you know um when um when when, you, when you've got a nice loiny chop um fantastic eating but you know what that did used to be a lamb yeah um and and, and trying to break down the barriers that you know that's that's the world we live in uh we can't we can't have all these things and and not be associated with the rural industry. 
Yeah, I think like what we were speaking about before, like the feeder clubs for the shearers, becoming a Rousey yeah. into a shearer, but also the lower education, like providing books and resources for kids coming through. Um, and it gives them an understanding and backing rather than being 20 and going, shit, I have to find out what a loin chop is now. It's not for yeah, the coals. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's it's something that um, in any way, if if I'm able to lessen that gap between city and country, I'm happy to help out. Yeah, it's amazing the platform you have. Make sure you use it. Um, it's a bit of a blessing in agriculture. Not everyone gets seen doing the hard work, but you've got it. So make sure you use it, Neil. It's great to have you in the industry, of course. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for your time. So. Just before you go, question I ask everyone, who would you like to hear on the podcast and why? Uh, so you said that Alex has been on. Yeah. Farmer Alex. Yeah. But have you have you been have you done anything within the wine with wineries at all? No, like I'm trying to touch on them. Are you talking like leaning towards Harry? No, no, no. Uh, you've well, Harry. Harry's um, Harry, of course, would be um, fantastic. But if you want an entertaining conversation, you have a talk to Farmer Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He I'd would be hopefully be able to track down these farmers. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I can I can hook you up with some details on those two guys. But either either one, Harry's you know Harry's a great guy. Nick's a champion. Um, they'd be only too willing to share their uh, their side of the story. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Farm's Vice is trying to keep it diverse and farmers yeah. and farmer wants a wife, you're all diverse from different backgrounds. So it's really good. Yeah. So how can people contact you through Instagram or where would you like? Yeah, Instagram. Instagram is the best place. Um, it's all sort of open slather there um, at Farmer Neil 9. Thank you for tuning in for episode 38. It's down in the books for Farm's Vice podcast and nearing that half century mark. If you like the podcast and you feel that you've gotten some value out of it, it'd be great if you could please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's just a way to help the podcast keep going up the scale. Last year, we were 118th in business for all of Australian podcasts. So that's really amazing. But we'd love to crack the 100 for this year. So give it a review on Apple and I'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.